Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 59. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. Welcome back from the holiday. One of the big things that happened between the last time we got together and now is big fireworks on Capitol Hill about this proposal to take the functions of the Office of Personnel Management and move them to the General Services Administration and essentially eliminate OPM, take the policy shop at OPM and put that inside the Office of Management and Budget and restructure the rest of the stuff at uh, GSA. You've been watching this very closely for a long time. What's your sense, now that we've been through this hearing, we've Everybody has pretty much publicly staked out their positions. What does this look like to you? Does this look like something that's got momentum and the momentum's picking up and we'll see progress? Or does this look like something that has the potential to kind of die on the vine and not really make much progress? I think we're looking at an initiative that might require some resuscitation. Hmm. What the Trump administration is proposing and that Margaret Weikert advocated before Congress a couple of weeks ago, um, was something that was considered in the Bush administration. It was considered in the Obama administration. But in both cases, the flack-to-jack ratio, the lift it would take to get it done, was considered not worth the squeeze. Mm-hmm. Fact is, the background investigation backlog, what it is, the inability to tackle some of the biggest recruitment and retention challenges, some of the IT issues, the retirement uh, uh, backlog, pro- retirement processing backlog, all of those things suggest OPM hadn't been able to get it done. So I applaud the Trump administration for proposing something that would hopefully shake things loose and begin to make progress. Procurement, finance, performance, regulation, all of those entities have a policy shop overseeing the operations in OMB. So I, don't, I think moving the policy shop there makes sense. The Congress has spoken loud and clear that they ought to move the National Background um, Investigation Bureau out of OPM and send it to DOD. What Margaret Weikert has emphasized is that without the subsidy that the Background Investigation Bureau provides to the rest of OPM, and especially with the policy shop going to o- OMB, the agency is going to have a hard time operating without an infusion of more appropriations. Mm-hmm. So, though there are not a lot of people standing up and cheering for this, I'm not sure there are a lot of alternatives to doing something because the status quo isn't working and revenue sources for OP- OPM are, are going to dry up pretty quickly. So let's review some of the objections and see – Maybe handicap for me what you think some of the objections might wind up looking like if this is able to advance. One of the big objections that we heard about at the hearing and that some of the groups have raised on the uh, the Government Matters television program coming on talking to me, the leader of the policy shop in, in uh, the Office of Management and Budget would be a political appointee but would not be a Senate-confirmed political appointee. And one person I asked, Jesse Clement from NARF, well, what if they made it a Senate-confirmed appointee? Would that make it better? Because her, her, her 
position was, if you have a political appointee that's not accountable to Congress, then that person can go in there and not just this administration, but can do the political bidding of whatever administration that person is representing. I think the arguments that that people are making that Senate confirmation bestows all of these attributes is false. Well, and that was essentially her argument, is that that doesn't make much difference because that person still serves at the pleasure of the president. And the GSA administrator still serves at the pleasure of the president. So and so does the head of the Merit Systems Protection Board. I mean, we can go on and on. Uh, and the current uh, OPM director. So the, there's no the – only, the only consequence of Senate confirmation to a presidential appointee is delay. Right. And, but, so her argument wasn't that it made it any better if that person Senate confirmed. Her argument was pretty much your argument, which is there's nothing that prevents that person that's running the OPM policy shop, if you make it look like, say, OFPP or OIRA or one of the other policy shops inside OMB, there's nothing to prevent that person from doing the political bidding of the president and the administration if he or she chooses to do it. Except the law. I mean, they have to adhere to the merit systems, uh, the, uh, the, the merit principles that are in law, and all of the other body of laws that govern a fair civil service system. Okay. I'm just telling you what I heard. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> am I sounding defensive or argumentative? Maybe. A oh. little. Just a hair. Yeah, we can delete that tone out, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll just edit that yeah. in, in post-production. I can fix a lot of things in post-production. Don't 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 let too many secrets out to the audience. Okay, all right. Some of the other arguments uh, that I have heard about this move uh, include: there's nothing here that indicates that GSA is going to be any better equipped at um, at managing, especially the information technology infrastructure of OPM, than OPM has been. Now, my response to that often has been. I don't think we have a really solid track record of information technology management at the Office of Personnel Management that would be hard to beat no, by any contra- other organization. Yeah, I, uh, the billions have been invested in IT modernization at OPM with nothing to show for it. And OPM is responsible for some of the largest systems breaches in the history of the United States. GSA, on the other hand, has a much better track record at overseeing IT not only at GSA but across the government. But they still have a fair amount of open recommendations from their own Inspector General's Office on Information Technology and I believe also from the Government Accountability Office. But nothing compared to those that have been leveled at OPM. Okay. So we're going for not as bad. Well... Point okay. to the stellar IT performance in government okay. among government agencies. Well, I again, I, I'm just I, I'm I'm a conduit. I'm not the source of the information or opinions. I'm a conduit. Got it. Okay, got good. it. What would you like to see changed about this, if anything? What what could be improved, either to make it better or to at least make it more palatable for well, people who are currently opposed to it or who are predisposed to be opposed to it. To her credit, that's what Margaret Weikert is inviting, a conversation about a better way to do this. If you accept the premise that without NBIB subsidy, OPM won't be able to survive without 
an infusion of large amounts of appropriations, which are unlikely, what is the best way to do this? An alternative to the current proposal would be to take benefit administration, not give it to GSA, but give it to another agency well practiced in that. So, for instance, the Social Security Administration. Um, That uh, distributes the risk, I think, more so than it does giving all of these in one fell swoop to GSA. One thing that even after the hearing people were still unclear about, and I'm not sure why, there are 6,000 employees about at OPM right now. Are all 6,000 of them still necessary if, with this new structure? And if you're still going – so one of the things Margaret said on Government Matters was you'll still go to the same people for the same stuff. Human capital practitioners across government will still go to OPM – for the same resources and support and infrastructure that they always did. It's just it will live at at GSA. So what's the benefit? It, how, I think part of the job that still remains to be done is to explain why the same stuff is better in a different location. Does that make sense? I, yeah, I think the one of the big arguments is that GSA is a more results-focused organization. Customer-focused. That's right. Some change is necessary to shake up the status quo that currently saddles some of these major personnel challenges, hiring, uh, recruitment retention, employee engagement. I, I do think there must be some efficiencies to be gained by consolidating these two organizations. Okay, but then does we that mean— We don't need multiple CFOs. We don't need multiple CIOs. We don't need mo- multiple CFOs. So I think th- there is an opportunity to achieve some savings resulting from this combination. But then doesn't, doesn't that mean at some point that you don't need 6,000, all 6,000 people? I think that's right. Okay. My goal is not to get you to say— yes, we need to get rid of a bunch of people, or no, we don't have to get rid of it. It's just to understand what the reality of the situation is. And I think, unfortunately, if this compares to anything, it compares to consolidations that we see in the private sector to exactly the point that you just made. Because in addition, then, to not needing duplicate CFOs, we don't need all the supporting infrastructure, either technologically or human resources-wise, that you have to have. I mean, and, and it may be that that's we, what efficiencies it, it, are, right? It may, it may be that we retain the same number of people, but are repurposing a lot of those positions. Okay. So, so the workload of GSA is certainly going to be greater, um, especially as it it takes on more and more of these government wide initiatives, shared services, for instance. Um, GSA has a lot on its plate, mm-hmm. um, and so there's an opportunity to repurpose some of those talented resources for other needs. If this is going well, and by well I mean going the way the administration wants it to, where are we in, say, September, December, a year from now? If things are going well, and there's nothing to suggest that it is. <laughs> um, That's a very nice way of saying that. The, the FY20 appropriations will include the $50 million GSA requested to accomplish the reorganization, and the oversight committees, uh, Senate Homeland Security and Government Affairs and House Government Oversight and Reform, will have moved authorizing legislation to accomplish the reorganization. Mm. Both of those things are not where they should be now in the process. There are a lot of headwinds 
federal employee unions in particular are opposed to this kind of reform, as they often are with change of this magnitude, those are barriers that we need to overcome. If that's the measure, if that's what you're watching for success, 0% chance, especially the $50 million. I agree. So you'll see a pivot by uh, the administration to stand down some activities in order to find some savings to allow OPM to continue, and probably GSA picking up some of those um, activities. So that's where I wanted to go next. What's your sense of how realistic the administration is with what it thinks it can do on its own without enabling legislation and without an influx of cash to be able to do the whole thing? I think that's a moving target and will evolve as what the administration tries to do is tested. So with all due respect to you, my good friend of at least 12 or 15 years, and to myself because I participated just as heavily, I think we've taken the longest possible amount of time to say we have no idea about what's about to happen. That's right. Overconfidence in predicting the path of a thing like this in Washington, D.C. is futile. Yes. Okay. But, hey. Uh, we, we had to fill the time with We something. did it anyway. And it, you know what? And you know what? It's our you, podcast. We can do our, whatever we want. Our podcast, the topic is Arcana, and what's more arcane than the reorganization of two back office administrative federal agencies. Can't get much more arcana than that. It's great to see you as always. Likewise. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.